Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. Exodus 5. And this morning we'll be dealing with what we call ministry crisis. And as we come through the book of Exodus, I will preach on this subject a number of times. And by the time I'm done preaching on a crisis of faith or a ministry crisis, I will want to have given you five principles that you will do as soon as you enter yourself or find yourself in a crisis. Now this morning I will emphasize one principle. It's not the first principle, uh, but this principle is the principle of prayer. That would be the first thing that you would do, would be to go to God in prayer. And I actually I can tie in the first principle, which is to thank God for your crisis. You say, oh my soul. Yeah, God thinks differently than we do. You need to be thinking about your trials and tribulations, your crisis of faith like this, that God has trusted you to represent Him in this crisis. So you need to thank God for the crisis. See, we don't, we don't, we don't think like that, do we? We're, we, we? We cry if you're like me. Oh, me, what, what happened? Why am I in this crisis? What's going on? The first thing you need to do is thank God for the crisis. That God, has, God could have chose anybody else to face what you're facing, but He chose you to represent Him in the crisis. Wow, wow. Number two, I, I, I probably won't get them all because I don't have them in the message. I'm just remembering them off the top of my head because I've been studying. Number two, look for a way to make God look good in the crisis. Look for a way to bring glory to God in the crisis. Then three, which we're going to talk about today, pray fervently. Pray fervently. And then, of course, uh, the, I'm going to forget the fourth one, but the fifth one is take the next step of faith. And so by the time we're done preaching through the book of Exodus, I will bring these all back up and we will, we will make sure that I give you those five. It's step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. Those five things you would do as soon as you find yourself in a crisis. And that'll help you through your crisis. Now this morning, I'm going to preach on ministry crisis. That's where you are serving God. God has called you or you've decided to step up to serve in a ministry capacity in some way. Uh, now, many people begin ministry in church. And they'll either teach a Sunday school class or they want to pass out bulletins. They want to lead the singing or they want to run security or work with security. They want to be a treasure. See, these are all ministries. There's, there's landscaping ministry around here. Now, later this year, and this, this kind of hit me. I don't know why I've never thought about this before. And, and, but I, I want to have what we call a Sunday ministry orientation where I preach on serving in ministry. And then after the service, there'll be a number of ministries that if you want to, you can sign up for. You can find like, well, I didn't know nothing about the landscape ministry. I love landscaping. Well, we have a landscape ministry around here, and you can volunteer for that and get involved in that. He's like, wow, maybe maintenance ministry. I see there's a couple of light bulbs out. You say, well, I thought that was your job. 
right, I'm trying to delegate it. <laughs> Maybe you want to be part of maintenance ministry. That's something you could do. It's something easy. And you're like, I just want to volunteer. I just want to do something for God. Maybe that's your thing. Uh, there's teaching ministries, Sunday school teacher ministries. There's choir ministries. There's there's going to be a visitation ministry. Maybe you want to get involved in that. You love to tell other people about Jesus. I'll get them organized and written down, preach on ministry, and how that we are to serve one another, and to maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and say, I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to do something. And then you would have the opportunity to sign up for one of those ministries and be used of God. Now, before you get there... I need to tell you what you're going to face when you step into ministry. And this is why a lot of people do not engage in Christian ministry in their life. And it's because of a crisis. A crisis. We're going to learn about this in Exodus chapter 5. Let's begin reading in verse 1. He says, And, after, and afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let... My people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Moses, God's called him to ministry. And he says, you go tell the people that I'm coming to deliver them. And we seen that last week. And then he says, now you go tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh's the type of Satan. He says, you go tell him, thus saith the Lord. Let's read on. And Pharaoh said, here's how the devil's going to respond. Who is the Lord that I shall obey his voice? To let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. <laughs> Basically, he says, make me. And they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert. And sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works... Get you under your burden. Uh-oh, we got a crisis. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them, ye shall not diminish aught. Therefore they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words." And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers and they spake to the people saying, Thus saith Pharaoh. So you've got thus saith the Lord and now you've got thus saith Pharaoh or thus saith Satan. He says, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where you can find it. Yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. The officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as heretofore? 
Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle. Ye are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. The officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. Now here's something I need you to see. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way. This is the children of God, the nation of Israel. And they came forth from Pharaoh and they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge. Now the people are mad at Moses. Because ye have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. What does Moses do? And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us today with the message. Let it touch hearts and lives. And Lord, when the people go from here, let them say, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. And let the lost that might be looking and watching say, God is in you of a truth. Lord, help us never to become so cold that the world can't see that there is something different in us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. In this Christian life, you're going to find that the majority of Christians will not go into the perfect plan of God. They will not present their bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. They, they don't want to be transformed in their mind by the renewing of the Word of God. And they will never be able to discover what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's what the majority of Christians will do. Now some Christians, they don't want the victory of God in their life. But they still want to be part of the program, so they tag along. And then very few will sell out totally for God. And then there are those who decide to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, which means getting involved. These Christians answer the call of God to engage in ministry. The church is to be a training ground for ministry to help people discover their life mission. That's according to Ephesians chapter 4, where he says he gave you a pastor for the perfecting of the saints. That means to bring you into spiritual maturity so that you can engage in the ministry of reconciliation and be able to minister one to another in the name of God. And we see Moses, he was just keeping his father-in-law's sheep there on the back side of the desert. And all of a sudden the Lord rang his bell by way of the burning bush. And God began to talk to him out of that bush and says, Look, I'm sending you down to Egypt to lead all one and a half 
maybe two million Jews up out of Egypt, which is the type of the world, into the promised land, the land that I had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. It is now time. And Moses, said, he begins to argue with God and says, Lord, oh no, not me. I'm not good at speaking. I'm not eloquent of speech. And it looks from Scripture that maybe Moses had a stuttering problem. He said he was of slow tongue. Now that means, I don't think it meant that he was slow-witted. I believe Moses to be very intelligent because he was schooled and he was gifted in all the ways of modern education. I do not believe that he was to be dumb. I believe he might have had a speech impediment. I learned something a few uh, months back about a preacher friend uh, that, that I know, and I listened to him, but I always wondered why he spoke so uh, very controlledly and kind of slow in the, in the pulpit. I mean, he does a wonderful job. God's blessing him in wonderful ways, but I've listened to enough messages and he, uh, he, 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 he let the cat out of the bag during one of the messages. He says when he was little, he had such a serious speech impediment that it required a lot of uh, rehab and, and speech work. And he says, the pace, he said, he said what, when God called me to preach, he said, there's no way God would call me to preach. He said, I can't even speak right. And, and he, uh, he, he, therefore, he demonstrated how he normally talked. And I'm like, oh, my soul. I'm like, now I understand why he does what he does. And he's, he's a very good speaker, and he, but he's controlled. He, he never, in my opinion, he never planes out. You know how preachers, they get to going, southern preachers, and boy, they, they just get to rolling. Sometimes I get like that a little bit. He'll never do that. And now I know why. Moses, he had a speech impediment. And the Lord says, who made man's mouth? You don't worry about whether you can speak or not. I've called you to do the job. I will fix your mouth for you. But he argued with the Lord and the Lord said, well, then you can take Aaron. He says, I know he's witty and I know he can speak well. Take him. He can speak for you. But we see Moses gets called into ministry. He's all excited. He gets the charge of God, as many of God's children do. They, they get, maybe they volunteer for a Sunday school, uh, uh, to, to teach a Sunday school class. Or maybe they volunteer for the nursery. You got nursery ministry. Uh, you got sound ministry. We got all kinds of little ministries. And, and it would be better to have more people involved in them than just to keep the overwork the same two or three people. Get us all involved in the work of the Lord serving one another. But the point is, Moses is all excited. And he heads down there with the message of God. And he runs into resistance. And what I want you to know, that uh, you're going to have opposition as soon as you step up for God. You can mark that down. If you're writing notes, you can say, opposition it's going to get worse before it gets better when you decide to go in from the good will of god or the acceptable will of god into the good will of god or the perfect will of god the devil's going to have something to say about it when you get the message of thus saith the lord there's going to be a reply on thus saith satan 
The Bible is clear to tell us in Ephesians chapter 6, about verse 12, he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Say, so what is he talking about, preacher? He's talking about that there is a devil, not a thought. The devil is a person. He is a fallen angel who can be transformed into an angel of light. He is a transformer. He can shift and change his shape. Didn't know if you knew that. I give that to you free this morning. He is a transformer. We all understand what transformers are. We watched the movie. We, we like those little cars that turned into robots. Probably uh, some of us uh, uh, teenage boys or boys, when we had our first car, we thought our first car could do things that it, it couldn't do. Yeah, you know you did. You know, you, you, you're thinking about, oh, yeah, my car, you could do this. I had a 73 Gremlin for my first car. Boy, I thought that was the hottest, toughest, fastest little thing around. And it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> but I sure thought that. And so we understand that. We always like, man, I wish that thing could transform into a Corvette or, or a Camaro or, or something like that. So you've all thought that. So the devil, he's a transformer, and he's going to oppose you. But there's still a call to ministry. Ministry is go. And God has said to Moses, go. We learned that in chapter 4, verse 12 of Exodus. God says, go. Kind of like the Great Commission, isn't it? God tells us today, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's still saying go. That's ministry. Ministry means rendering aid to another. Ministry, go. Then he says, tell. He says, you need to preach. Tell the children of, e of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Israelites, the message. And we, we learned that in verse 30 of chapter 4. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. He tells them what God had told him to tell them. And then he says, now you go in and tell, make it public to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's that wicked king. He's that principality and power in high places. He represents Satan according to Ezekiel. And so Moses, when you first start, you get that zeal. You know, you got your first Sunday school class. or You're going to clean the church for the first time. And you're so excited because you get to serve God. And all of a sudden, you do the best you can. And then everybody shows up Sunday and somebody starts picking and like, I wonder who swept around here. What's going on around here? What is that? You say, and, and you, you hear it and it just deflates your bubble. You say, what is that? That's called ministry crisis. You have just been discouraged. And so what, what do you do? You run. You run and hide. You say, I ain't ever cleaning church again. I've never worked for such a harsh bunch of people. <laughs> Christians can be cruel sometimes. I, I, I got some family that own a restaurant. And uh, they were open for years on Sunday. They're not open on Sunday no more. He says the worst day of the week to run a restaurant is a Sunday. Because it's all filled with church people. He said they're the meanest most complaining, and they never tip people. He said, we can't even make money. And he said, so we just shut it down. 
Amen. You didn't need to be open on Sunday anyway. Christians, you're in the house of God. You're skipping church trying to make a dollar bill. No wonder God ain't blessing that thing. But my point is, you're trying to do a good job and you run into that crisis. You say, why? Well, because the devil's real. The crisis facing off against the devil. Thus saith Pharaoh. We see it there in verse 10. He says, Pharaoh, uh, he opposes what God does. The devil does not want you to serve God in ministry. Straight up. The devil never wants you to do anything. Now the devil, he'll be content to have you come. He'll be content to have you sit in this pew. But he won't tolerate you getting involved in ministry. If you ever wondered, there's some days you're like, well, I'd like to do more. And all of a sudden, there's something that comes over like, oh, no, I don't want to. I'm just too busy. I can't do that again. You say, what is that? That spiritual opposition that comes from the devil. He's heard you. He monitors what you say. It's like, I'd like to serve. I'd like to do something around the church. I'd like to help out. And the devil immediately picks that up and says, "Uh uh-uh, I can't have that. Every individual in here is connected to 250 people that the person next to you is not connected to. And you have an influence and an impact on those people's lives. And the devil knows if you get revived and if you get on fire for God, there's a possibility those 250 people could get saved and get on fire for God. He don't want that. That sure changed this country around in a heartbeat. If God's people would just say, you know what? I understand I'm going to face some opposition, but thus saith the Lord, uh, let my people go. What's the devil do? Well, the devil says no. And he begins, Pharaoh here begins to retaliate. He does. I've seen it once. I've seen it quite a few times. Some of you have been with me long enough to see some of the new converts come in. People will come in, want to get involved, and they, want to, they just love the church. And they're a little down and out. They're looking for a job. They're looking for God to change their life around. And I warn them, now look, you got to be careful because God wants you to stay in church. And all of a sudden the devil will throw a job that they can't say no to. And we never see them again. Say, what was that? Oh, that was a person that was getting ready to get on fire for God. And the devil was going to retaliate. Look at how Pharaoh retaliates here. Here's what he does. He he begins to accuse Moses and Aaron of giving the people a holiday. Do you see that in verse 4? And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do you, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? That word let is Old English for hold them back. He said, Who are you? To tell the people to take a day off to serve God. You've probably heard that before. You know, God says work six days. In the seventh, you rest. That's the day you go to church. But I got news for you. Try telling that to your employer if you're looking for a job. Say, I ain't working Sundays. They'll go smiling. Oh, we would never discriminate. We don't discriminate against nobody. And they take that and they pitch that right into the trash can on you. Say, what is that? That's the devil retaliating. Uh, It'll get worse before it gets better. If you're going to make a decision to stand up for God, it is going to cost you a little something. Now, don't quit your jobs. (laughs) I'm just telling you, be on guard. Be aware of what the devil is doing to work against you to keep you from doing ministry for God. 
there will be opposition. And then he says that Moses and Aaron should have been working. What do you do all day? Boy, I've heard that. You're a pastor. All you do is lay around all day, every day. You only work one hour on Sunday, one hour on Sunday night, and an hour on Wednesday night. What's up with you? Yeah, you know how I'm going to handle that. That's opposition. That you can't show me anywhere that works like that. There's people that believe that. I had a preacher, a pastor call me this week, said that a guy come up to him and says, I just can't understand why you can't work a full-time job and pastor a full-time church too. People, about 300 people in the church. Why can't you do that? And so he's telling me this story, you know, and, and I'm listening to it. I said, well, I got news for you. It's really hard. I said, I, I don't think I can do it. And uh, in the course of the conversation, I said, is that man married? Does he have a family? He said, well, no. I said, and then something it just hit me. I said, what kind of job's this guy working? He said, oh, he's a pizza delivery boy at La Rosa's Pizza. And I said, why didn't you lead off with that? I said, he's not even grounded in reality on what a professional has to do. I'm not, I'm not bashing pizza delivery people. It's a great job, I'm sure. But you got someone who's not called to pastor working as a pizza delivery boy. They might make great money. I don't know. Maybe somebody out to correct me like, yeah, I make 50000 a year delivering pizza. Whew. Okay, sign me up. Maybe I can do this. No, it's DoorDash. I've used that a couple of times. I, I like that. I didn't know that. How My kids had to enlighten me. I didn't know nothing about DoorDash. I thought DoorDash where they come by your house and dash off with something on the front porch. I didn't know. DoorDash. I don't know. I like it. And I said, that, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. A pastor is on call 24-7. You're not around me on the hours I spend on my face <laughs> crying about the future of this church and studying and preparing and visiting people and trying to have an outreach and trying to be before the Lord. Like the Bible says, the Bible says the pastors be given to prayer and the word of God. And that's what Moses was doing. And he marches in the devil says, why ain't you working a job? Mm. Thought I had one, then worked two. Oh my, that's opposition. That's opposition. That's opposition of the highest order. And so he tells Moses and Aaron, you need to get a job. If you've got time to worship, you've got your two idol. He says, you're idol. Haven't you heard that from your bosses? Have you ever heard that rumor through? Well, they don't want me going to church. They said, if I got time to go to church and time to go to Wednesday night Bible study, time to go on a little visitation, then I'm too idle. I can put more work, work hours in down at the job site. Yeah, they talk about that stuff behind closed doors. I didn't know whether you know that or not. You say, what is that? Well, the devil has his children, people that control that stuff, that are influenced by the devil. The devil don't want you to serve God. And he'll happily pay you so you don't. So he'll increase the workload. I've seen people want to step up to ministry and all of a sudden get mandatory double overtime. Mandatory. Like, where'd that come out? Where'd that come from, Satan? 
This is called ministry opposition. It's ministry crisis. If you got time to think about God, then the boss is too nice. And so Pharaoh says, find your own straw. We're, we're going to start making it harder on you in the workplace. Get your own mask. We used to provide them. We used to provide all the get your own stuff to do work to make money for me with. And that's what he does. That's what Pharaoh does. Pharaoh takes the resources away. Have you noticed in this last year, year and a half, it's been harder to make ends meet? You notice that? You want to know what's going on? Don't you ever doubt for a moment that the last pandemic we just come through, that's a sign of the times. He said there would be pestilence. That's under the control of Satan. Satan does that. And so some people run, sit down, quiet, and, and don't ever doubt that the devil would not use something that's real and deadly to manipulate people to do what he wants to do. Don't, don't go out there and say, oh, so you don't think COVID's real. Oh, yeah, it's real. I had it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's some bad stuff. Somehow they all told me I was trying to turn it into man flu. I'm telling you, it's bad. It's bad. Doctor says, don't turn this into the man flu, please. You're making men look bad. I said, well, I'm hurting. <laughs> Give me something. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> I was struggling to breathe. Oxygen levels were at 90, but I'm going to tell you, when you're used to being at 96, 97, 90, I can tell it. I can tell it. It dropped down to 88, 89. I said, well, man, it's great. There's some people that lives with 60. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. Not me. <laughs> Felt like somebody had their hands on my throat. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Jen's sitting over there just as calm as can be. She's asymptomatic. Man, that was terrible. My point is, the devils used that pandemic, but there was some of the children of God that says, we're going to keep serving God. We're going to do our best to abide by the laws of the land and be peaceable, but we're still going to assemble. And so what the devil do? Oh, don't you doubt for a minute that the devil ain't behind what's going on. He's making it harder, isn't he? You know, here, here the preacher is. He's wanting to take up love offerings for playground equipment. And I can't hardly afford my groceries. And now the preacher wants me to give more money. Well, two or three years ago, wouldn't have been a problem, would it? But it is now, ain't it? You say, what is that? That's ministry crisis. The devil's putting the heat on you and on me to keep us from stepping up. To discourage there's less to go around. we got to work harder for less. And then Pharaoh turns the job bosses against the people. All of a sudden you go in. Your bosses know you go to church on Sunday. And all of a sudden, they're not smiling at you when you come in anymore. So no, you're going to have to work it. If you want to keep your position. And so then you go in, you work it, and you, you, you juggle it, and you do this, you do this. What is that? That's opposition. And then you get cold on God. Why? So Pharaoh can keep you in Egypt. Then he begins to chastise the people. Get you rode up. 
you know, you might have looked at somebody wrong, did something wrong, and you didn't. A lot of people can handle that level of opposition. Here's the bad one that generally knocks you out. When you got to deal with Christian brothers and sisters, you see that in verse 21, that's why I read that. When all this went down, and now the people's lives were harder because of what God told Moses to say and to do, the devil, Pharaoh, takes it out on the people. Now, if you're like me, you can take some persecution. But when they start persecuting your family and your kids and your grandkids, that when, that's when it hits home, don't it? Well, imagine that for a pastor. When you know you're preaching the Word of God and God's wanting you to go away, a, a certain way, and you know that the devil's going to take it out on those precious people that want to serve God, want to follow God, it hurts. It hurts. They said, look, you've made us look bad. We've lost our savor in the eyes of Pharaoh, and now they want to kill us. The people turn on Moses. I told some of you all years ago, I said, look, I could see at about eight, nine months in, that there was some serious issues here. And I said, folks, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And God might have to prune us down to just one or two people before he starts building us back. I was warning you that it was going to get worse before it got better. When you start trying to love people and start just preaching and teaching the truth and being honest and, and making sure people treat each other right, they don't bully each other, they, they, we all agreed, what, whatever we agree to do, we're all doing it, we're not getting a back room with a deacon board, pop belly deacons, doing whatever they want. Well, the devil stand up in opposition. They don't like that. That's what knocks a lot of people out of ministry. You get to teach in a Sunday school class and all of a sudden somebody criticizes you. Well, I just wouldn't have said it like that. My brother's getting ready to be senior pastor in the church up there. Had a lady in that church said, well, I, I just don't think you should be senior pastor. I just don't think you're fit for the job. We don't think you're really being you. You say, what is that? That's opposition from a brother and a sister in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, it can hurt you. And you need to be prepared for it. It's a hard part. You expect the devil to resist you. You expect the devil not to like it. But when God's children turn on you, it discourages you. And you'll do one of two things. You'll run. And I assure you, if you run, you'll land in the next place. And you'll only stay there as long as until you get opposition again and then you'll keep running because change has become your new position and you'll constantly be on the move that's why a lot of pastors can't won't stay in a church more than two years or five years they meet opposition you either going to run or are you going to stand and fight i know what i'm talking about you're going to want to run. 
Oh, I'm a fighter. You're going to want to run because it's embarrassing. But you're going to need to stand and fight and stay with the stuff. You say, okay, what do I do, preacher? What do I do? Do what Moses did. Moses is a very, uh, God thought highly of Moses. Look what he does. He immediately comes to God in prayer. Go to God in prayer. The Bible says this, be careful for nothing. That word careful, you've heard me say it. Be anxious for nothing. Have anxiety over, yeah, I know. I'm saying it and I'm repeating it so you can say it to me when I come to you with a moment of anxiety. <laughs> I think I did with Brother Terry this morning. Like, uh, no, just continue on. <laughs> Hold. <laughs> it's like, all right. Amen. Amen. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, that's crisis. But in everything, that's ministry crisis included. By prayer and supplication, we'll even get that other principle, thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, thank God for the crisis. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It works. It works. I've tried it. It works. But then you need to pray fervently. Fervently. Fervent prayer. This is where you begin to wrestle with God. Where God says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then he tells you that Elijah was a man of like passions like us. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years. God answered that. Why? He wrestled with God in prayer. I've wrestled with God in prayer for these 10 years that God began to grow. I want our church to grow numerically. I want our church to grow spiritually. And I want our church to grow financially. Oh, get specific with God. Don't offer one of those table grace prayers up. We're talking about fervent prayer. Like Moses is doing here, you're on a first name basis. He says, Lord, he starts talking to the Lord like you would your friend. He was on a first name basis. Yeah, that takes time and prayer before you get to the crisis. Fervent prayer. Bold confidence in your prayer. With reverence and sincerity, he says, Lord, that's his reverence. Pray expecting to receive. Amen. When you pray like that. Pray expecting to receive. John R. Rice said this. Any failure in life will be because of a prayer failure. He's right on that. So you say, preacher, what do I do in ministry crisis? Because if you get involved in ministry, whether it's singing in the choir, singing in the youth choir, sweeping the floors, mowing the grass, you're going to deal with a level of opposition. It'll first come from Satan. Things will just start working against you. Time, time-wise. You just won't have the time that you thought you had to do the ministry you thought God wanted you to do. 
But then you're going to face the criticism and opposition from brothers and sisters in Christ, which shouldn't happen, but does sometimes. We're quick to be critical, not quick to have charity. And it discourages people that should be being edified. Okay, what I do. When you enter into one of those crises, a ministry crisis or a crisis of faith, pray. Pray fervently with thanksgiving and fully expect God to answer that prayer. But you stay praying. Don't just pray for it once. You keep praying until God sends the answer in. And you stand and you fight. You stay in ministry. Don't leave it. Stay where God puts you. Let's all stand this morning.